I don't know what she's thinking. I'll bet we've all said that at some point, haven't we? What was I thinking? I know I have. It's weird, you know, um, because you've got some people, they can't make a decision. takes them forever to make a decision. And then you've got other people who can't make up their mind, which is different than not being able to make a decision. The mind is a wonderful, treacherous thing. I'm, I, you know, what were, what were you thinking? I think I say that to myself more than I say it to anybody else. More than I've ever said it to my kids, I say it to me. What were you thinking? I, it's like back in the 70s there when uh, I decided that platform shoes would be a good thing. Six foot two, I was about 30 pounds lighter then, maybe more. I was always kind of tall and skinny when I was younger. Four-inch platform shoes would help. What was I thinking? I fell off of them, (laughs) running for the bus, fractured my ankle, tore all the ligaments in my ankle. That was the beginning of my leg injuries. I, I, I repeated that so many times again. It's like, what were you thinking? Everybody was doing it, right? So I was doing it too. Pardon me? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember another time when I was younger, I was a kid, I was at school, and uh, there was a bunch of hedges that ran along the outside of the school, and outside of the hedges was a spiked steel fence. I don't know why they used to do that, you know, about this high. And, and you know, like the idiot that I am, I thought, I can jump over that hedge. I can. Caught my foot on the top of the hedge, but fortunately, my chin broke my fall. Right on the spike fence. (laughs) Still have the scar, had the stitches. What were you thinking? Sometimes you drive around, don't you? You see things, that ornaments or, or, um, I hate to to diss anybody's artwork, but sometimes you're in towns and you see things and you think, what were they thinking? Like, who wants to look at this rusty monstrosity? But, ah. But that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a very serious aspect of this whole process of transformation, and that's the mind game. Change your mind, change your life. We started a few weeks ago, um, session one, we talked about being transformed in my spiritual health. Um, We set some spiritual goals. And then last week, we talked about being transformed in my physical health. That one hurt. Set some physical goals. And it was kind of interesting, you know, to hear what people were doing. There were so many things. For me, it was easy. (laughs) I want to get to a certain weight before this thing ends. But other people, I talked to people, some some were sleep. Need to get more sleep. Need to have a better sleep pattern. Uh, A lot of people were cutting things out, like coffee or soda. All kinds of good things. Exercise. I I really love the way everybody's taking this so seriously. And you're seeing people's lives begin to change. That's what this is all about. But this week, we're going to be looking at being transformed in our mental health. And to kick that off, this morning, we're going to look at change your life by changing your mind. Now, if you didn't get a sermon outline when you came in, raise your hand, and we'll get you one right now. Somebody need one right here? Anybody else need a sermon outline? You can fill out in your book, another one right over here, Lynn, as well, on page uh, 60-something, 62, I think it is. But I much prefer the sermon outlines, and you could just put it in there. That's what I've been doing each week. 
Our key verse this morning is the key verse for the whole series, Romans 12.2. Now, this is one of our memory verses, so I want to hear if somebody can shout that out at me. Romans 12.2. That's awesome. If you, if you can't hear that online, all across here I could hear people perfect. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the wording. You know, typically, we think of someone that, that can't make up their mind as flighty, indecisive. It's not a characteristic that we, we like in people. And yet, here God is telling us that we are to be in a constant state of transformation, a constant state of mind renewal. It is, I love the wording here. It's active and it's inclusive. Be transformed. Sometimes people will say to me, or I get the impression from them, you know, that they want something changed in their life, and they go to the Lord for change, and they pray, which is a great starting point. Go to Scripture, and hear, you know, they, they, they have the target of what they want to be, but then there's almost like an attitude of all I need to do now is sit on the sofa, and God will wave His magic wand, and I'll be changed. But that's not how it works. Teach, scripture teaches that we are to be a part of the transformation process. It says, be transformed. You get to be part of it by the renewing. I love that word. It's not renewal or renewed. It's the renewing, the ongoing changing of your mind, changing of how you think. It's active and it's inclusive. We're partners with it, with God. That means that we are active in the process. And of course, it, it's possible because we've got our other memory verse, Philippians 2.13. Anybody? For God... For God is working in you, giving you the power. For God is working in you, giving you the desire. Got to get that the right way around. Desire and the power to do what pleases Him. But here's the thing. You don't have to. You don't have to respond to, to the Holy Spirit that's at work in you. You can choose to ignore it if you can. I've done that many times in my life to my detriment. And as I said, the mind is a wonderful and yet treacherous thing. We must manage our mind. We've got to manage our mind. We've got to think about what we think about. We've got to think about what we put in, in, in our head. Why? Because. Do you hate that when your parents did that when you're a kid? Why? Because. Because I said so. I've got three becauses for you this morning of why we need to manage our minds. So if you get your sermon outlined, these are your first three blanks here. Because one, because two, because three. First one, I must manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. That's last week's. I must manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. Proverbs 23, 7. We talk about this one often. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. And we talk about this all the time, thoughts, feelings, and behavior. It all starts in the head, you know. What, what I think or believe about something or someone dictates how I feel about that thing or, or someone. And how I feel about it dictates how I behave. So if I think somebody likes me, I feel good about it. I feel good about it every time I see that person. If I see them in, in the grocery store, I'm going to go up to them and say, Hey, how are you doing? Because I've got this thing in my mind, they like me. 
So I feel positive about it. And my behavior then comes out of my thoughts and my feelings. Conversely, if for some reason I've chosen to believe that someone doesn't like me, I see them in Kroger, I'm going to try and go down a different, different aisle. I've never done that to any of you. I like you all. But you know what I'm talking about, right? We get it in our head, oh, that person doesn't like me. So then we don't have good feelings about them, and then our behavior matches how we feel. And sadly, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because if we feel like people like us, we treat them nicely, and they like us. And if we feel like people don't like us, we don't treat them so well, and they don't like us. And the problem is we make assumptions so often. We don't know what they're thinking. We assume what they're thinking. I remember a particular... I I was at a work thing one time, and... uh, going to a meeting with a bunch of my peers that I had never met before. It was in a restaurant. And when I got there, this guy came up to me and said, oh, are you, are you with so-and-so? And I said, yeah. I said, hey, how are you? And he said, okay. And he turned his back on me. Well, that's kind of weird. And right away, I had a bad impression about that guy. Didn't like him because I thought he didn't like me. Then we had the meeting, and all the way through the meeting, that was reinforced to me, whether that was a reality or not. I don't know. He might have just been looking for where they were sitting. Now, the strange thing is, I was on a cruise some years later, and apparently he was on the cruise, and I never saw him, but he saw me. And after the cruise, I met him somewhere, and he said to me, saw you on the cruise. You just ignored me. I didn't see you on the cruise. But I could tell he'd already made up his mind that I just ignored him. So here we are, two guys that barely know each other, both decided we don't like each other. And we're both acting on it. And it's all out of an assumption. Just strange. That's, that's, That's how it is. And it works on the way you feel about yourself, too. You know, you get messages from when you're growing up. You get messages from kids around you. And sometimes you grow up and you just think, I'm not worth anything. And you start telling yourself all your life, you're, you're good for nothing. You're no good. And then you start to believe it. You start to feel that way. And then you start to behave that way. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I, I remember one time, it was at a men's retreat. Somebody said something I really liked. said, you've got to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. I'm going to put up with that stuff that you're saying. I'm going to talk right back to you. I'm not worthless. My God loves me. My God has a purpose for me. He created me the way I am. I'm not a mistake. God loves me. You've got to start talking back to yourself. Now, for the Christ follower, we've got to submit how we think to the Lord's direction. We have to submit it to Him, allow the Holy Spirit to direct our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors. I must manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. Number two, I must manage my mind because there's a battle for my mind. Anyone believe that? You better believe it. There's a battle for your mind. Romans seven twenty-two and 23 says, I love God's law with all my heart. That's, that's the Word of God. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Do you ever do stuff and you just wonder, why? Why did you do that? It was just stupid. Didn't get you where you wanted to go. Didn't scratch the itch that you were trying to scratch. Most of us can think of times that we did things that that just like, really? 
That's because there is a war for our mind. It is a spiritual war. Now, I'm not trying to be all... Here's the thing. I find that Christians, we tend to... We swing the pendulum from one extreme to the other extreme on this. I, I talk to people all the time. If the door won't open, there's a demon in the doorknob. Let's cast out the demon of the doorknob, and then that door will open. It's like, whatever, the door's just jammed. And then on the other side, and most Baptists kind of fall into this, they're completely ignorant of the spiritual war that's going on around them. And that's where Satan really wants you. He's, he's smart. You know, you're not going to see an exorcist-type situation where some little girl's got her head spinning around because if, if you ever saw that, if that was common, we wouldn't have a seat to spare. Our churches would be full because the evidence of spiritual warfare and everything would be so evident, everybody would be running in here, look at what's happening to me. Satan's so much more subtle than that. He gets at our thinking. He whispers things to us. He tells lies to us. It's a spiritual war. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the triggers. He knows when to pull them off. He knows where to pull them off. I mean, you just know it, right? If you have a problem with patience and you're on the way to the airport, I'll guarantee you there's 600 miles of traffic. And that morning you're praying to God, God, I just want to be more patient. And Satan's saying, I'll help you with that. There's a battle for your mind. Now, we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute. Third reason I must manage my mind is because it is the key to peace and happiness. It is the key to peace and happiness. Romans 8, 6 says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I've said this so many times. For me, there's, there's three kinds of people in the world, and I've been all three of them. There are people who are outside of Christianity. They don't have faith. Maybe they've got a different faith. There are people who are Christians, but they've got one foot in the faith and one foot out of the faith. And then there are those who are Christians, and they're fully devoted as best as they can. They're trying to follow Jesus. And we're all broken, right? And I've been in all three of those. The most miserable of all of them are those Christians with one foot in and one foot out. When I was a hedonistic atheist, I was having the time of my life. I'm not going to lie and say, oh, you know, I had a God-shaped hole and I just needed God. I was having the time of my life. I've shared it before. I was having a party and the party was good. And then Christ came into my life and for a while there was, I felt horrible because I had one foot in and one foot out. When I was at church, I felt guilty because I knew the life that I was leading. And when I was on the scaffolding or out with my friends, I felt guilty because I didn't want to be that way. And it was miserable. But thank God that God is good and God is faithful and he kept on to me. And there came a point in my life where I thought, I'm, I don't want one foot in and one foot out. I'd rather get out or get in. It's exactly what Jesus said. He said, I don't like you being lukewarm. I'd rather you were out or you were in. There's no peace when you're half in and half out. It's not that I'm perfect, far from it, if you know me. But when you decide, man, I, I'm, I'm, 
I want to live for Jesus. I want to go Jesus' way. There's a peace. There's a joy that comes into your life. There's a happiness that comes into your life that's so much better than half in and half out. So there are three reasons why we must manage our mind. First, because my thoughts control my life. Second, because there's a battle for my mind. Third, because it is the key to peace and happiness. Now, we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about three things that you can do daily. How often? Daily. Three things that you can do daily. How often? Daily. That means every day that can bring joy and happiness Help change the mind. Help change our thinking. So three things. First one, three daily choices for a healthy mind. I must feed my mind with truth. I must feed my mind with truth. Matthew 4, 4 says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I want you to just think about your daily diet of what goes in. What you're feeding your mind with. What you watch, what you listen to, what you read, who you talk to, who you spend your time with, how much time you spend doing this, that, and the other. How much is the input going into your mind good, and how much of it is not so good? What are you feeding yourself on? What has got your attention? How much of your daily diet is God's truth, God's Word? Let me tell you something. Not everything that masquerades as Christian is Christian. And I talk to people, and I know they listen to a lot of these talk shows on the radio that have a Christianese kind of veneer to them. But I can tell by the kind of questions that they're asking me, you don't need to be listening to that stuff. It's usually nut jobs that have got a Scripture, and they've gone way off with the Scripture, and... I just know when they're asking me these questions, like, why are you asking me that question? Like, that's not in the Bible anywhere. You need to go to the source. You want truth in your life? Go to the source of truth. Don't rely on somebody else to be your interpreter. Now, I love this book because every day, Randy mentioned it just now, every day we have a, a devotion, right? There's a scripture every single day. But let me tell you something. If that's your daily diet of God's truth, that one scripture every day, you are spiritually malnourished. You're not doing too well. If, <laughs> if the only time you ate all day was when you fed yourself God's word, how would you be doing? We'd have a lot of skinny people, wouldn't we? Now, it's not that you spend all day on it. Well, let's see what the Word says here. When? All the time. Let God's worth be the main source of nourishment in your mind. Morning, noon, and night. All the time. Listen to it. Read it. Feast on it. Put your memory verse on a piece of paper. Write it out. Put it in the car so when you're driving, it's right there. Psalm 119, 147 says, I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help, and I put put my hope in your words. I begin my day with God's word, with God's truth. Let's get it going there. Psalm 119, 97 says, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. 
This is David writing. Psalm 16, 7, I will give honor and thanks to the Lord who has told me what to do. Yes, even at night, my mind teaches me. I'm focused on it all day long. So I'm going to give you a challenge, and I know this is difficult. Don't just, if, if you do this in the morning, I like to do mine in the morning. But this is not everything. I do my study, and then I have my personal study. I, I start at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, I read through to Revelation, and then I start again, Genesis through to Revelation, Genesis through to Revelation, and I just keep reading it over and over and over. I'm in Joshua right now. I've got to be honest with you, some of them, you get into those prophets, it's a beatdown sometimes. <laughs> it's like, God, get me to the New Testament, please. But God is so faithful and so good. I'll be in a passage of Scripture that is like, oh, I've got to read this today. And all of a sudden, something will jump off the page. And it's like, did you just add that? I wasn't in there the other times. I, wow. God is good. So I do this in the morning. Then I have my own study. And I have another devotional that I do with, with another passage of Scripture. So maybe at breakfast time, have something. When you go for lunch. Have a little bit of Bible at your lunch. At dinner time or right before you go to bed, pick it up again before you go to bed. Finish your day with a little bit of God. Feast on it. And it's not so much about getting through it. You know, I talk to people who say, well, I got this plan to read the Bible in a year. That's okay if you want to read the Bible in a year. I don't. Because I'm not trying to get through it. I'm trying to get it through me. I want to be absorbed in it. I don't want to just get through it. Sometimes all I'll get through is, is, a, is a sentence or so. And I'll get hung up on that sentence. It's like, wow, this is, so, this is so good, God. Now, there's a pattern to studying Scripture. Observation, interpretation, application, and prayer. Now, you don't need to write this down because every single day that you do this, you're already doing that. I love what Rick Warren has done here. You've got a passage of Scripture, and then he says, what did you hear? That's observation. What's it say? Then he says, what did you think? That's interpretation. What does it mean? And then he says, what will you do? How are you going to make this active in your life? And then finally, he says, now talk to God. Pray about it. Now, I like to pray about it before I read it. Read through it, do those things, and then pray about it at the end. I ask for God to speak to me in his word before I open his word. So I have an expectation I'm going to get something out of this today. God's already in it. Sometimes <laughs> I think we get into the mentality that we need to read our Bible so that we can check it off of our to-do list and that keeps God happy. Got that one done, God. Done. Did two minutes of prayer, got my Bible reading done. I'm in good stead with God today. It's for you. You're not doing it for God. He wrote it. He knows what's in there. It's for you. He wrote it for you to make your life better. So get yourself a Bible reading plan if you don't have one. But get in it. All right, keep going here. Number two, I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Now, this one is hard. I've got to liberate my mind from all the crud that's in there. Now, this could be crud from experiences I've had in life. This could be crud from stupid things I've read or stupid things I've watched. 
or things that were said to me when I was a kid or at work or a helpful email. Sometimes I get helpful emails. And sometimes you just got to get that stuff out. I need to clear it out. I need to liberate my mind from all the mess. Romans 8, 5 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now, I've talked about this so many times. We've all seen the cartoon, right, with the man with the angel on one shoulder and the demon on the other. I think I got it. There it is. Leave him up there for a little bit. And he's got to make a decision and the The bad one is whispering in his ear, and the good one is whispering in his ear. I love this illustration because this is true. This this is what this scripture is talking about. We get influenced by these things, don't we? (laughs) Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about what is sinful. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. There are these two, and they war over your mind. Now, I ask this question so many times. Which one wins the war for your mind? The one you think about the most. It's the one you feed. That's the one that gets stronger. It gets your attention. It gets stronger. You feed it. That one wins the war. The other one gets malnourished. Now, here's the problem. It's not fair. Because that demon guy there, he's got allies. He's got three allies, three enemies to us. First one is our old nature. The old you, the sinful nature. This is right in your outline. Do you have to fill in a blank here? I can't remember. No, did I put it right in there? Just ignore this part then. Our old nature. The, the Bible calls that the flesh. And we think about it. We think about the things that we did in the past, you know. And, and sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's longing. But it's a part of who we are. The second one is Satan. Out and out. Satan wants to control your mind. He can't. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and Satan cannot control you. I get people say, well, can I be demon-possessed? Not if the Holy Spirit's in you, you can't. But he does influence your thinking. He will throw things in there. He'll try and, and, and persuade you on things. And he uses all kinds of things. He uses people. He uses the stuff you watch, the stuff you read, the stuff you listen to. He gets in there. And I don't know what it is. I have to be so careful with this. I have a, a tendency for the dark. And, I, and I've learned I don't do it anymore. But there was a time, all of my music, all the music that I liked was dark. My friends and I used to like watching horror movies. We'd go to all-night horror movies. And I'd read horror stories. And, and my life was just filled with that. That was everything in my life. My favorite band was Black Sabbath. And I, I realized, after all, you, you can't keep putting this stuff in. Because what's in is what comes out. It affects how you think. Now, I've had problems with anxiety and, and depression in the past. don't know where that's come from. But Satan will try and influence your thoughts. So you've got to be careful. So what he does is he makes suggestions to you. And he's watching. Which ones do you accept? And those are the ones that are going to keep coming. And they're very timely. He knows when. He knows where. He knows how. 
And we fall for it. Sometimes we open the door. Negative thoughts, negative ideas. He knows our weaknesses. You know, even Jesus struggled with this. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he's in the wilderness, in Luke chapter 4, and Satan's up there and he, he tempts him. He was tempted for 40 days. We know three of the temptations. And I don't know if you notice what the Scripture says right at the end of it in Luke 4.13. It says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. It's like, I'm coming back. I'm going to wait for you to be weak, Jesus. I'm going to wait for you to be on your way to the cross and you're worn down and you're tired and I'll be there. Third enemy, the world's value system, the culture around us. The world's not helping us be a more disciplined person, is it? You deserve a break today. Have you ever seen a commercial that, that's full of light and, and self-control? No, because they want you to be weak. They want you to buy stuff that's bad for you. They want you to keep changing. You buy a car this year, next year. Well, it's better this year. And it's only $800 a month. You can afford that. The world doesn't want you to be self-controlled. It, our system doesn't work on self-control. It's a consumer society, and it works when people spend money, and they want you to spend the most money that you can spend. They want you to have your credit as high as it can go because then you're paying interest charges, and, and you're trapped, and you can pay this credit card with that credit card. And, ah. and the news is always the same. Give in to your temptations. You deserve it. Obey your thirst. Obey your stomach. Obey your eyes. Obey your darkest desires. It will feel good. I'll tell you what, I'm absolutely amazed. I never thought, and I don't know why, I never thought we'd come to where we are in society where you can drive down the road and there's a billboard advertising sites for married people to go to hook up with other married people. How sad is that? Billboards. What was the one I saw? Life is short. Have an affair. Sickening. I, I 35. Life is short. Have an affair. And then people wear T-shirts with stuff on it, right? We've become walking billboards. Coca-Cola. Pepsi. Lakeway. <laughs> First John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's passion, that's possessions, that's position, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So how do you fight this battle? Because it's all around us, right? How do you feed the good guy and starve the bad guy? Well, look at the next verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I want you to circle the word stronghold there. He talks about demolishing strongholds. Well, what is a stronghold? 
Really simply, a stronghold is any lie that you have believed. That is a stronghold. When you've been given a lie by Satan or by something and you've held on to that, this is truth for me, that is a spiritual stronghold. It could be that, oh, God doesn't really love me. I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough for God's love. That's a lie. That's a stronghold. That will be a barrier. The lie might be, I know better than God. What will make me happy? Which is why we go to sin. That's a lie. Anything that you believe that is a lie is a spiritual stronghold in your life. Could be a false value system like the world, you know, philosophical system like hedonism that says the only thing that matters is pleasure. That's a lie. In other words, the whole goal of life is just to have fun. You only live once. Go for it. Or materialism. Materialism is a philosophical worldview that that only stuff matters. The more you get, the happier you will be. It's a lie. Could be a personal attitude. A stronghold could be an attitude like, that person hurt me and I'm never going to forgive them. They don't deserve my forgiveness. What they did was evil. What they did was wrong. I will never forgive them. They shouldn't be forgiven. That's a lie. That's a stronghold. Or sometimes we do this. I can never forgive myself. I'll never amount to anything. I talk to people like this. If something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. That's a stronghold. It's a lie that you're believing. He says if you're going to learn to be mentally healthy, you've got to learn how to demolish strongholds in your life. You've got to learn how to defeat the lies that you've come to believe. Jesus says, I am the truth, and the truth will set you free. Satan is a liar, and he wants to enslave you to his lies, those strongholds. So how do we fight this? The answer is in that last part of the verse. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Have you ever had a thought just pop in your head? Come on, tell the truth. I I mean, (laughs) I worry sometimes that when we get into eternity, it's all eternity, right? And sometimes I worry that when we're up there, are we going to be able to view our lives or anybody's life And hear everything that's going on in the mind. And I worry about my wife. Because we're having conversations sometimes and something will pop in my mind. And it's like, no, no, get out. (laughs) And I think if she ever knows that I was thinking that while she was talking to me. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Sometimes my mind... It's like it's not my mind. Somebody else is in charge of it. I'm not in charge of it. You can be here in prayer time sometimes. You're praying and something will pop in your head. It's like, no. Or you're driving, right? And you're praying. I don't know how many times I've done this. I'm driving and I'm praying and somebody will do something. And if you saw the video last week, that wasn't acting. And I say, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you for cutting me off. Or something simple or similar to that. And I said, I'm in the middle of a prayer. What do you do when those thoughts 
and those desires come calling. I want to talk a bit about how temptation works. James 1, verses 14 and 15. There's a pattern to temptation. He says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. Excuse me. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, notice it's a process. It's not an isolated event, you know. You, you read these things. Well, I don't know. It just happened. It didn't just happen. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes on before it just happened. So four phases to temptation. You ready? Phase number one, desire. If you don't have any desire for something, it's not a temptation. I, I don't smoke cigarettes. It's not because I think they're evil or anything like that. There's no desire in me to smoke cigarettes. My mom smoked when I was a kid. She smoked like a chimney, as we would say. All of my friends smoked when I was a teenager because back then it was more fashionable than it is now. I never had a desire for it. I tried it a few times. I didn't like the taste. I don't want to do that. And it stinks. Sorry if you smoke. It stinks. My son smoked. It's like, go outside. But when you come in, you bring it in with you. And if you're sensitive to it. So I have no desire for it. A rack of ribs? That's a whole different kettle of fish right there. We went out for our anniversary this week. And, you know, I kind of like it and I hate it too that now on the menu they tell you how many calories things are, right? A rack of ribs was 1,100. Like that's, that's more than half my day's worth of calories. So I had two. Um, <laughs> This last week, you know, the whole study was about taking care of your body. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and honor God with your body. It was not a good week. <laughs> Very convicting. Desire begins on the inside. And typically, temptation doesn't start out there. It starts up here. It starts on the inside. It might get fed by what's out there, but it starts in here. We have natural desires, right? We have a natural desire for sleep. We've got a natural desire for food and drink. We've got a, a natural desire for sex. We've got a natural desire for love. We have a natural desire to succeed in life. And, and they're all God-given drives, and there's nothing wrong with them. But temptation turns a routine desire into a runaway desire. And then all of a sudden, something that, that is, is supposed to be healthy and good gets out of control, and it starts to control our lives. It's all we think about. That's why the Bible teaches over and over in all things, moderation. Any desire out of control is destructive. It becomes more important than anything else, and it's all you can think about. So phase one is desire. Phase two is doubt. You doubt God. You doubt that God knows what is best for you. You've believed a lie. God says, don't do this, but do this. And you think, well, I really do want to do that. You don't know what you're talking about, God. You might not think that, but that's what we do when we choose the opposite to God. We doubt that God is going to meet our needs. So we look for a different way to meet our need. We look for our way to meet our need. And then we start to see God's way as restrictive and Satan's way, the world's way, is freeing. Phase three is deception. That is when you believe a lie of Satan. It's when we believe the lie that, that this desire 
will meet our need. I've talked about this so often, you know. It's like a mosquito scratch, right? It itches. What happens to a mosquito bite when it itches? You scratch it, right? Does it go away? It just gets bigger, doesn't it? The more you scratch it, the bigger it gets, the more it itches. It doesn't go away. When you scratch the itch, it creates an itch. If you get a mosquito bite right in the middle of your back, it itches for a minute, you can't reach it. Ten minutes later, you don't even know it's there. It's gone. It's exactly the same with sin. We, we, we get deceived into believing that if I do this thing, it will meet a need. It doesn't meet a need. It creates a greater need, and we just keep going back to it. And round and round and round it goes, and down and down and down it goes. And then we start doing it. Well, what's the harm? It's just one drink. It's just an email. It's just going for coffee with her. Nothing. It's not going to hurt anyone. And we begin to justify our desire. Phase four is disobedience and defeat. We succumb. And typically, as soon as we succumb, we feel defeated. And you're doing that whole, how did I get here again? We feel bad. We don't feel good about ourselves. First thing we do is we separate ourselves from God because we don't feel good about it. So we take a step away from him. Now we're in Satan's zone and we're not feeling good. And we start, well, what makes me feel good? And around and around you go. That's the pattern of sin. Now write this down. I love this. This is right from Rick Warren. I really love it. What I flirt with, I fall for. It's right in your notes there. What I flirt with, I fall for. A desire pops into your head. Instead of following the lie, speak truth into it. You don't have to follow the lie. You don't have to follow the desire. You don't have to follow the thought. You've got to start coming to a place where you know and you believe that won't get me where I want to go. That will not meet the need that I'm trying to meet. It only makes it worse. We've got to get to that point where we hate that sin more than we enjoy the pleasure that that sin gives us. Psalm 119, 112. I've decided to obey your laws until the day I die. I'm going to trust God. Which leads us to number three. Three daily choices for a healthy mind. I must feed my mind with the truth. I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Third, I must focus my mind on the right things. So it's out with the old and in with the new. You've got to have substitutionary behavior. You can't just stop something. You need to replace it with something that is good. Talk about this all the time. First one, sounds really easy. Think about Jesus. Focus your thoughts on Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.8 says, keep your mind on Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.3, think about Jesus who endured opposition from sinners so that you don't become tired and give up. God, I want to focus on you, Christ. I want to put you center. You know, this goes with my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Man, there were a few times this week, I wish my body wasn't the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> I said things or I did things, and right away that conviction was right there. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, God. 
How do you keep your eyes on Christ? Well, what is this? This is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Hang out with other believers. Hang out with people who will keep you on the straight and narrow. We're all in this journey together. Second one, think about others. Philippians 2.4 Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Hebrews 10.24 Let us be concerned for one another to help one another to show love and to do good. When you are other-centered, you are not self-centered. Sin comes from self-centered. Third one, think about eternity. This is not all there is. 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. All right, it's getting late here. So let me close with this, and then I'll pray and dismiss you. This is a tough one. Now, if you've been doing the study, and for some reason you've dropped off, Get back on there this week. Don't worry about trying to catch up whatever you've missed. Get back on there this week. This is probably one of the most important of all the ones that you're going to do because it begins in the mind. If you want to change your life, you have to change your mind. So I'm going to challenge you right now. If you've stopped, get back in there. Don't miss small group this week. Don't worry about what you haven't done. Get back on the journey. Yeah, don't let the little guy whisper in your ear. You're not going to get anything out of this. You're too far gone. This is not for you. It's no good. That's a lie from Satan. Now, here's the strange thing. You have to change your mind, and you have to keep changing your mind because we slip back to our old ways. It's our natural way. So I want to encourage you. Don't give up. If you've changed your mind and you slip back, change your mind again. And keep on changing your mind. Now, it might sound like hard work. You know, Pastor Mike, I, I would, it just, that's just too hard. I don't have the energy for it. I've got kids. I've got a job. You met my husband. He's just a pain. My wife. Philippians 2.13 For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do you believe that? Because it's true whether you believe it or not. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, God is in you. He is working in you. He is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Well, what pleases Him? Your well-being, your love, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your joy. That's what pleases God. He wants you to live the best life that you can possibly live. That's why this mind thing is so important. You've got to trust Him in this. So this is an important one this week. Now, if you're a guest and you're not part of this, we're kind of three weeks into it, but we've got a whole bunch of small groups going on, and I think we've still got a few books left. I'm not sure. I'm just going to say this. If you're a guest and, and you're thinking, man, I need to get involved in that, come and see me afterwards. And we'll plug in somewhere and get you going. Because, you know, we did 40 days in the Word. We did 40 days of prayer. They were both really good. I'm enjoying this one the most of all. I really like this transformation thing. It's good, good, good. All right. I'll stop here. Is that good?
Yes, thank you, Pastor Mike. You were much better when you were in Galveston. <laughs> we could pause you. <laughs> we'll watch it tonight. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for all the people that are here. I thank you for the people who are online. Father, this is a tough one this week, the battle of the minefield. Because Satan is there, we're there, the world is there. Sometimes we become our own worst enemy. We want to serve you, we want to do what is right, but that old nature is, is there and it, and it sneaks back up sometimes. But Father, I, I just want to claim for everybody here that you are working in us giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Father, if there's one here or or out there on the internet that's just struggling, I pray that this week they would know the power of your Holy Spirit at work in them. Father, destroy those strongholds, those lies. Give us that ability to take those thoughts captive and bring them in obedience to Jesus Christ. Father, show us where we have been led astray by lies that we have believed that are simply not true. Open up our eyes to your truth. Your word says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Father, rescue us, I pray. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We submit to you. Come into our lives, Father, and change us. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of announcements. Have you seen how many kids are back there? It's scary. <laughs> I went down there, and there was one obnoxious child that was screaming. Did you hear it? Screaming and yelling. My grandson. My wife hands him. She's trying to hand him to me. Like, I'm the pastor. I'm important. (laughs) But we're going to do vacation Bible school, July 19th. We've got lots of kids, and we want to invite some more kids. So this is a step of faith. I'm going to tell you why this is a step of faith. Because everything's still up in the air, right? Um, But we decided we're putting it on the calendar. We're doing it. There's a uh, a station out there. Libby, come in the door and wave at people. This is Libby. You don't know Libby because she's always back there working with the kids, her and my daughter Amy. So if you can help July 19th, we need volunteers to be a part of this. So we're starting this without everybody that we need. We've got some people. I'll be knocking on some doors and asking you to come and join us and help us, okay? But this is something that we do. We feed the volunteers, so we need people to, to help with food. Uh, we have to set up rooms. We need people to just take kids from room to room. Don't worry about teaching. I will talk to people to teach the lessons. Um, but we need chaperones more than anything, and then people to help clean up. So you can sign up. Libby is going to be out there. You can sign up to, with Libby and say, I'm in. So that's July 19th, that week, um, every evening, Monday through Friday. And we have an, a neat thing, a penny war, guys, boys versus the girls. And then on that Sunday, I usually get a pie in my face if the boys lose the race. And whoever's... Uh, but this year, I thought of something better. I'm serious. I was thinking, what about ghost peppers? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. We get a pepper. We'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Pie in the face? Okay. <laughs> that would add an edge to it, wouldn't it? I'd be throwing money in that thing every night. <laughs> so please see Libby sign up there. Offering. We're not passing the offering about. You can make your offering. Put it in the little uh, bin thing beside the door there. Go online to our website. Click on Give or mail your offering. Please be faithful, and I thank you for your faithfulness. Oh, I've got something for you to pray about. I am mad. This is another one of those situations where I had to apologize to God. We got a bill from Mid-America Power Company. You remember the cold snap we had? Our power bill is normally about $1,500. What do you think it was last month? 14000 I phoned them twice already. They're going to have a lawsuit. Please keep that in your prayers, that I deal with that in an appropriate manner. I love those phone calls. I'm sorry. I just, Sandra's looking at her watch. Okay, so we have a birthday party this evening, this afternoon. Give online, stay connected, check Midweek Motivation, check us out on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, lakewayonline.org, Lakeway Baptist Church is the app, and stay in prayer. Go back to that last one. There's a prayer wall out there that our prayer team have got in place. If you've got a prayer request, you can go out there and pin it on the wall or drop a prayer in the offering basket. We want to pray for you. Sunday in the lakeside room before the service starts, there's a group of people who pray. You are welcome to join them. And then we're asking you to pray in place, and we've suggested Mondays at 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, or 4 o'clock. And every single person who is signed up for Transformed has someone who is praying for you by name. So you are all being prayed for. Tomorrow is First Monday Prayer. Thank you, Sandra. Tomorrow is First Monday Prayer here at 7 o'clock every month. I forget that. All right, how are we doing for time? 12.19. It's a new record. We're going to break it next week. No, please stand. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for joining us online. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks for each and every person that you brought here today. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And Father, as we leave here or wherever we are, I pray that you would just pour out your blessings upon us, Father, that we would just love being with you, that we would just want to be with you and live the way that you've called us to live. But Father, I pray that we are not selfish with those blessings and we would take the blessing you pour out upon us and share it with everyone that we meet. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next week.